Hello, I'm Elaine Power and welcome to the Mind Speak podcast, where we talk all things about storytelling, presenting and the business of speaking. Now, when I heard Sahel Khan share his story about how he became the joint venture king, I was completely enthralled. It was as good as any Netflix episode I've watched. And in this episode, Sahel's going to share his journey and how you can prosper from the multitude of joint venture opportunities that are around all of us and how you can leverage them to your advantage. Are you ready? Okay, let's do this. Elaine Powell here, keynote speaker, TEDx organizer, and public speaking coach. And you're listening to the Mind Speak podcast, where you can learn how to confidently share your voice, message, and story for income and impact. So if you could just take 10 seconds, hit the subscribe button, that would be much appreciated. Let's dive in. I'm so excited because I have Sahel Khan in the house and I came across Sahel when I was on Clubhouse Breakfast for Winners and Sahel was a special guest, the honorary guest of Ashley Shipman and he shared the most captivating story. I felt like it, uh, Sahel, it should have been a movie. Like if it was a movie, I would just be riveted to that story. And so I thought I have to bring him on this podcast to share that with my audience as well. So welcome, Sahel. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Great to be here. My pleasure. My pleasure. So obviously, you know, this this interview is around speaking and people sharing their story. So in order to start you off, a question I'll ask you is, how did you get to do what you're doing today? And Sahel, what's your story? Good question. My story, that's my whole life is a story. And like you say, we can definitely make a movie from this story. So um, I originally started off uh, life um, as a management consultant when I was a lot younger. In my culture, our parents wanted us to become successful in a profession as as, as they do, um, either a lawyer, doctor, dentist, or astronaut. I was afraid of heights, so I didn't go down that route. I was very good at numbers and maths at school. I was a proper geek, so I went down the route and uh, studied as a management accountant, then became a management consultant. I uh, got a really good job in a uh, one of the top five um, management consultant firms in uh, London. And um, while I was wor- while I was working there, I was actually there for the first six months, and uh, it started to feel really strange. Um, I was sitting in an office working nine to five, and what kept on coming into my thoughts were, "Is this what life is really all about? Is this how life is? You come, you clock in." You, you clock out, you go, and it's an, it, that, is that life? Um, and you know, I, I wasn't really enjoying working uh, in, in an office environment. Um, I always thought to myself, there must be more to life out there. And one of the things I did when I was working there is I used to help people. And, you know, if you know a lot about me, my ethos in life has always been give first, ask later. You know, I'm a, I'm a giver. I love to give as much as I can. And, uh, you know, that's what I've always done in my life. So a lot of the times I spent there, I was helping people use this new thing called the Internet. So there was this new thing called the Internet. <laughs> and exactly. And people were trying to figure out what it was. And there I was helping people use computers and the Internet. And my supervisor said, you know what? You really glow. Uh, and you really I really I see you smile when you're helping people use the computers and use the Internet. 
how come you never got into that field? And I was like, well, that's a good question. I said, I, I guess I did what my parents wanted me to do and study down that route. So I was there for a couple of months and uh, my supervisor said, you're really good at this. And uh, uh, I'm surprised you didn't pursue it. So I decided to leave a high paid job and uh, pursue a career in IT, information technology. So I did a master's in IT um, with international business. And one of the things I did, I wrote a thesis on the impact of the internet on the manufacturing industry. Now, when the internet first launched um, back in sort of 96, it was brand new. It was totally new. And everyone was thinking, what's this, the impact going to be of this thing called the internet? So little known to me, um, my professor posted my thesis online. Now, if you're as ancient as I am, you probably know before search engines, we had things called bulletin boards. So we didn't have any search engines back then. So my professor posted my thesis online onto bulletin boards and, and people were reading it. Venture capital firms, dot-com companies, corporations. And I was getting emailed from these companies saying, look, we're really interested in uh, having you come out and talk to us about how we can use this thing called internet for our business. So there I was straight after uh, do, uh, out of my master's going and consulting uh, for a lot of companies. And one of my first clients was a company called QVC.com. Uh, as you all know, one of the biggest shopping channels in the world. And one of the things that I did um, before I went out to see them is I, I did a case study. Basically, what I did was I created a one-page website. I created some computer training courses via PDFs. We attached it to a shopping cart. And basically, in 98, when Google was launched, uh, we were ranked uh, number one our uh, first page of Google because obviously it was very early on. So we started getting a lot of sales and orders coming in through this website. And basically, we were e-commerce um, uh, specialists, e-commerce um, uh, you know, gurus, basically. So there I was going out to these companies, doing a lot of consulting, showing them how to um, work the internet and how to make money to uh, use this thing called e-commerce. So we had a great run from 98 to 2000. We were making so much money. It was unbelievable because it was the dot-com bubble, uh, the dot-com boom. And a lot of companies were spending money. We were, we were um, charging between, you know, actually we were getting paid between 20,000, 40,000 per contract, per consulting contract. So uh, helping them with e-commerce, marketing, SEO. And it was amazing. And uh, But then what happened? We had 2000. And two things that happened, two uh, fundamental things happened in the year 2000. Not only the dot-com bubble burst, but we also had Y2K. So we had a double whammy. Number one, we lost a lot of our clients. And number two, because we were computer consultants, we were to blame for Y2K. So no one wanted to work with computer consultants. So early 2000, we had to make a decision. Now, it's very similar to what's happening right now. When something like that happens, you need to pivot, right? So we had to think, look, what else have we got that we can leverage? So you always look at what you have, okay, in terms of what can you, how can you make the best of what you have? So we had this small little uh, website making us um, a couple of thousand dollars um, uh, a week. And uh, it was a computer training website. And people would just go online. They select a couple of courses. They're just PDF courses. And they would download these manuals. So we said, look, let's focus on trying to build this into a real business. And then in early 2000, I came across a great book, and you might want to write this down. It's called um, <laughs> How to Get Everything You Can Out of All You've Got by mm -hmm. a guy called Jay Abraham, who's actually one of my mentors. Um, and in the book, Jay spoke about something called joint ventures. He said, you can easily approach a company, get them to promote, endorse your product or service to their customers without any cost up front and only pay them when they make sales. So I thought, wow, this is an interesting concept. So you're telling me I don't have to spend any money at all. Someone will do all the marketing and the promoting and the selling for me. And I only pay out anything 
on the sales. So I thought I've got to try this. So um, early 2000, I basically uh, contacted the largest IT recruitment um, company in Europe. They were based in Regent Street in London. And this is what I said to them. I said, if I can show you uh, a way to uh, create an additional revenue stream without increasing your overhead, would you be interested? And they said, yes. So I got invited to this uh, company in Regent Street, very plush office in Regent Street, got into the building and I got invited into a boardroom uh, with all the directors. And they said, okay, look, tell us more about how are you going to help us create this additional revenue stream without increasing our overheads? What is it? So I said, it's simple. It's called a joint venture. I said, first of all, how many customers or how many clients do you have in your database? They said, we have over 100,000 IT professionals. I said, okay, that's good. So at the moment, I said, look, here's the thing. The IT recruitment sector is in a decline. So that is your main revenue and your income. Nobody's, re- nobody's going out to recruit for um, computer consultants because we were to blame for Y2K. So I said, you're obviously losing business there. I'll show you how to create an additional revenue stream. And what we have is we have these computer courses that we sell online. Here are the stats. Here's the conversion rates that we do really, really well. It's all automated. If you um, promote that to your existing database of 100,000 IT professionals, if any of those guys buy, we'll give you a percentage, basically 50% for each one that you that, that they buy. And also in terms of overheads, what are you currently doing right now marketing-wise? I said, well, we have a newsletter that goes out to our database. We, we send that every two weeks. I said, well, here's the thing. Just put a banner in the newsletter, promote our courses to your database. Anyone who purchases will give you 50% for doing absolutely nothing because you're already doing that. So that was the first ever joint venture that I did. And that joint venture was very successful. Um, in the first year of this little computer training website we had, we did, I think, $50,000, $60,000 turnover. But in the second year, our turnover went up from $60,000 to just under $400,000 with one joint venture partnership. And that was it. I was hooked. I thought, you know what? What, a, what an amazing way to make money, right? We didn't spend any money on marketing or advertising or anything. So Fast forward to 2002, the whole landscape changed. People were wanting now video-based training. And this is amazing because that's 2002, right? We're in 2021 right now. How easy is it to create videos? How easy is it to create a video course? You just pop out your phone, create a video, upload it to YouTube, and you have a course. Back then, it wasn't as easy as that. It was very expensive. It would cost us about $10,000 per hour of uh, e-learning modules. So our competitors had like over 150 courses with like five, 10 modules on each course. We did the calculation. We thought, look, we can't afford this. How are we going to compete with our competitors? So again, I turned back to the book. Jay spoke about something called licensing. He said, you can basically go out and get access to um, the rights to uh, someone's uh, proven and tested product or service and basically um, sell it as your own with a license because they've already done all the work. So I thought this is good. So I went over, I looked at, I saw a company, uh, I found a company in Clearwater in Florida, a multi-million dollar e-learning company, and they had already produced all the titles. So I contacted them and said, look, we want to supply your courses in UK and Europe, and we'd like to inquire about a license. And also we'd like it white labeled with our own logos on there. So they got back and they said, well, that's going to cost you $100,000. And I said, oh, I don't really want to pay anything, really. So I jumped on a plane, as you do. I flew to uh, Clearwater, Florida, armed with $10,000. And I said, look, I'm going to try and do a deal. So this company was owned by a very successful uh, female CEO. And uh, when I got into her office, she was actually in the boardroom having a meeting. So I was waiting for her to come back. And I was sitting in this really beautiful office, a walnut desk, a beautiful walnut cabinet. 
I walked over to the wall at cabinet. I thought, okay, let me have a look and see what book she has in there. And then she had books from Dan Kennedy, Joe Vitale. And guess what other book she had in her library? The Jay. book from Jay Abraham. Yeah, exactly. And I thought, okay, this is great because she's going to understand when I talk about wanting to do a joint venture, she's going to get it spot on. So we sat down, we had a meeting and I guaranteed her and I promised her that I would make her more than $100,000 in the next couple of weeks if she let us license her e-learning programs, um, uh, her trainings. And I said, here's $10,000 as a goodwill payment. And then I flew back to the UK. That year, we did um, a million dollar turnover, a million dollar in sales. And the investment for that million dollar sales, guess what it was? ten thousand dollars so this is exactly so i'm all about leverage in life and in business i'm all about leverage i always try and find the leverage points uh, that i can leverage uh, and get the most out of what i already have so that was it we were now a seven-figure business fast forward to 2006 and um uh i again i was reading a uh, a newspaper in the uk called the fast track 100 uh sunday times fast track 100 in that it tells you the fastest 100 growing companies in different industries so there was a company i found in there in the tech space they were a computer hardware company um that was a nine figure business a couple of hundred million a big group and they had over 500,000 customers computer hardware customers so by then we were a computer software online learning company and I thought, this is a, a, an amazing match. They do computer hardware. We do software. Just imagine if we could uh, if we could install all our e-learning software on each PC that they sell. They sell millions of PCs. So again, I reached out to them. I said, look, hey, if I can show you a way to increase your revenue without increasing your overhead, um, uh, would you be interested? They said, yes. Got a meeting. Went to their beautiful plush office, beautiful glass building, very successful company, all these fancy cars in the drive. Got right to the top of the uh, of their penthouse. They had like a penthouse boardroom, unbelievable. It's like a scene out of Star Wars. Have you ever seen Star Wars on in the Death Star yeah, when yeah. Uh, Luke Skywalker's uh, battling Darth Vader at the end, and they've got this big, massive like window. You can see all the stars, exactly like that. And it was, it was very cool. So I came into this boardroom, sat down, and then uh, these it was it was run by a family, a chairman and CEO, father and son. They sat down at the head of the table. I sat down at one end. I got up and started doing my pitch. 15 minutes into my pitch, I got stopped and the uh, CEO got up and said, so help, look, I'll be honest with you. We're not really interested in doing a partnership with you. And I, I sat down and I thought, oh, oh dear, have, have I said something? Have I upset them? Am I wearing something that has, that's upset them? So while I was sitting there thinking, what, what's happened here? The chairman got up and said, so help, we're not actually interested in doing a partnership with your business. We're interested in buying your business. So then I was thinking, wow, I wasn't ready for that. By then, I had two other partners. So I went back and said to my partners, hey, guys, what do you want to do? They want to buy the business. So we didn't have an exit strategy that early on. Our exit strategy was later on. One of the things that we decided to do, which I obviously I regret today, and I'll tell you why, uh, was we ended up selling a majority stake to them because they were, they were a B2C, business to consumer. We were B2B. They just wanted to purchase us to get into the B2B uh, in the sector. So we thought, look, they don't know nothing about the B2B sector. We do. This is our baby. So we don't want to lose it. So we're going to basically get it, get involved. We're going to stay on and we're going to do a part cash, part equity. So we gave them a majority stake. So there we were now, all of us sitting on the board of a, a nine-figure business. We all became multimillionaires. And as you do, um, uh, what's the first thing you do when you become a multimillionaire? You go out and splurge, right? So when I was a lot younger, yeah. When I was a lot younger, 
I'll tell you, I just wanted to be rich. That's that's all it was about. I wanted to be rich. Okay. I'm a lot wiser, a lot older now. I understand how money works and I'm all about building wealth and future wealth um, rather than being rich. So there I was, as you do, you go out and you buy a 15 bedroom mansion in, in Hertfordshire. Uh, I, I, I bought a 15 bedroom uh, mansion in Hertfordshire. Then I bought a million dollars worth of cars. So I had all these cars on the drive, classic cars. I'm a big collector of classic cars. So there I was, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. You know, I've made it. Uh, and, and if you search Google, you could probably see the photos of the mansion and all the cars. Um, uh, it's posted somewhere on, online. And then um, that was great. And then in 2007, I stepped down as managing director to work um, uh, on the business rather than in the business. And then we doubled the turnover. So it was a very successful business. I mean, our margins were like 95% because it was online software based. So it was a proper cash cow. Then uh, my exit strategy was 2008. I was like, I'm going to stay here for another year. I'm going to cash out. And then I'm going to go and sit on some desert island somewhere. Just as long as it's got Wi-Fi, I'm going to sit there and think about what I want to do next. Right. I'm going to yeah. dip my feet in the, in the nice um, ocean, blue ocean. And I'm just going to just chill. Then what happened in 2008? Well, we had the dreaded recession. And I still remember that day. Uh, we got called into the boardroom and the, the board, which we were part of, they made a decision the day before that they were going to liquidate the, the whole group, which obviously my company was a part of. What that happened was basically they, they were buying a lot of companies. They spent a lot of cash from the balance sheet. And they bought a lot of dot coms and they're all with duds. Basically, most of them were duds. So they, they, they lost a lot of money. They had to get out of it. They had debt. So uh, we were called in and they said, well, uh, we're, we got an announcement. We're going to liquidate the group. But don't worry, because we're going to do what's called a Phoenix um, uh, company. And a Phoenix company basically is when you take all the assets out of a company that you dump, to start a new company and just transfer the assets. A lot of people do that, but it's more of a dodge, to be honest with you. It's not a, a true representation of how to do business. So they've been around for 25 years. We never, in our wildest dreams, imagined they would go bust. You know, they would just, 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 you know, just disappear. So um, that, when that happened, uh, the the chairman said, "But don't worry, Sahel, we'll we'll look after you. We'll, we're going to give you more shares in the new Phoenix company." And I was like, "Dude, look, if you did this to me." without telling us what you were doing, why the hell would I work with you guys? Why would I be in a business relationship? I'm out. So um, I left the building and I was like, oh God, what are we going to do now? Because we had signed guarantees with the bank. So guess who the bank came after when the debts came on the table? The guy with the assets, the guy with the with the, with the big mansion and the guy with the million dollars worth of cars. They just had to me. Google you. They just had to Google yeah. you. And there it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they came after me and I was like, oh dear. You know, I, you know back then I'm not as wise as I am now in terms of protecting assets. So obviously I was put in a position. I was uh, to be about to be forced into bankruptcy. So I negotiated with the bank. I liquidated my assets and we were, you know, we, we managed to, uh, managed to get them off my backs. However, because I was living a, uh, uh, I was still living that multi-million lifestyle. I mean, for God's sake, come on, we had a private jet and everything, right? You know, you look at Grant Cardone nowadays, you think this guy's cool, right? He's got a private jet. Yeah, we had, we had a private jet, the group that I was part of. Man, we had I a private jet. I well. you back then, Sahel. <laughs> I know it's crazy, isn't it? Uh, but I tell you what, if you'd known me back then, um, I was just full of ego. It was all about cars. <laughs> It was about cars, houses, money, women, that I was a different person back then. So you might have enjoyed your time with me, but Mushroomly, I don't I'm think sorry, much probably not then. <laughs> I like the no, Sahel a, now. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I was a totally different person back then. So I was just very much ego-driven. So um, so that happened. 
And I ended up moving back to my mum's house. And the funny thing is, I always tell this funny story that when I moved back home to my old bedroom, it was exactly like I left it. It was like my mum knew, (laughs) mothers, right? Mothers, right? That my mum knew that one day my my son is going to come back home. (laughs) So I know, it's funny. So She willed it. She willed it, Sahel. I I want my baby back. (laughs) Yeah, she manifested it. So I came back home. And I was in survival mode because I still had all these bills. I still had that same lifestyle. And uh, it was a horrendous time because I went through a period of, um, of being depressed. Um, not, I, I wouldn't say I was suicidal at all, but I was very depressed because I was like, I don't know what to do. And it's very hard to think straight when all you're thinking about is I need to um, uh, make sure that nobody finds me here or nobody can get hold of me, you know, all these bailiffs and whatever, you know, and, you know, bailiffs can be sometimes the nastiest people to deal with. So I had to think about what I, you know, what is, what is it I need to do? So, um, and the thing, the thing that really hit me was this, right? And this is interesting. In the same area where my mother lived, all my old friends from college and university were living in the, in the local area and they all stayed in their jobs. They now got married, they had kids, they had their houses and their mortgages. You know, the, the only thing they would say to me was, well, you know, you should have stayed in your job. You had a very successful job as a management consultant and you shouldn't have become an entrepreneur. You shouldn't have gone down that route because you would you would have more security in your job. Well, obviously, as we know today, that is not the case. Right. There is nothing. There is no such thing as security anywhere, even in a job. So that was for me, it was a double whammy. It was like, hey, come on, guys. No one's going to be sympathetic and say, look. What can we do to help you? Blah, blah, blah. No, I got none of that. They were just like, you know, it's your fault. You should have stayed in your job. You had a great job. We all said, he's crazy. Why did he leave his job? You know, blah, blah, blah. Right. So that was for me, it was like, oh, man, what's going on here? I'm getting no support. So I decided to to get away from the noise. And I am a spiritual person, but my spirituality was awakened when this thing happened. Right. I've been meditating since I was five. It really, I was really awakened by this, uh, this, this tragedy. So I said, look, I need to go somewhere where there's no noise. So I ended up basically in a monastery. Yeah. So I said, look, I'm going to be somewhere where I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't really want to see anyone. I need to sit down and I need to just focus and think, what do I do now? So one of the things I, I learned while being at this monastery was I learned to control my thoughts, right? Because one of the things that we were taught was your, is that thoughts become things. And one of the things that I'm really, really super grateful for was, and this is this is going to sound really woo woo, like 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 film stuff, right? I have the ability to be able to live in the confines of my mind. What does that mean? That means if the whole world crumbled around me right now, I would be at peace in here, right? So I could do it. I could do it. I could do it in short bursts. I I, I didn't stay there long enough to be able to figure out how to do it on a long. And on a long axis, but on a short axis, I can basically switch off from everything that's happening around me and basically leave leave my body as in it's it's really bizarre, but but actually live in my mind and to be able to be at peace. Um, so when anything crumbles around you, I wouldn't have any uh, worries. I wouldn't have any fear. I would just be living in here. So um, that for me uh, was amazing. The, the, the way these guys meditate and the way they focus on just their thoughts and they control their thoughts it really helped me so with that i came back and i was refreshed and i and i, and I still remember that day i said to my my mother i said but actually she said to me so what are you going to do now and i said well here's the thing i'm right on the ground now i'm at the bottom i can't go any lower the only place to go is up <laughs> right yeah exactly i can only go up i can't go any lower so 
then she says to me, so what are you going to do? And I said, uh, I don't know. She said, look, here's the thing. Just because she said to me, just because you don't have the fancy cars, the mansion, the bank accounts, what you have is here, right? It's in here. And um, she said to me, I'm sure that you can do whatever you've done before. I'm sure you can do it again. So for me, it was like, okay, look, let's think about this. What can I do? And it, it actually hit me. It was like, oh, wow. It's right, it hit me. It's right in front of me. Joint ventures, right? Strategic partnerships. I've done it before. I built a very successful eight-figure to nine-figure business doing that without anything. Let's do it again. So in 2009, I set myself a challenge and I said, look, I'm going to manifest doing um, a million dollars in 12 months. So I'm going to do a couple of deals. How many, how many I need to do? I'll do a couple and then I will make a million dollars in 12 months and then I will be able to take care of myself and then I'll be able to figure out what to do then. But I was very fortunate that I managed to do a $1.5 million deal in just 30 days which got me I back knew on my feet. It. I knew you were gonna say that I was like that's that's like that's the hell he'll do it in short Crazy. Time, so months. do you want to hear do you want to hear how I did that yeah of course okay <laughs> of course cool here do. we go okay so uh, so as always what happens is when you vibrate we're all made of energy right which is what my belief is and when you vibrate at a certain level your awareness spikes so one of the things that I managed to do is I can see three I can see 360 degrees so for example, I train a lot of certified joint venture brokers around the world to do what I do. And when I train them, especially on the mindset side, they curse me because they say, oh my God, I can't believe I, I shouldn't have come on your program or I shouldn't have done your training because everywhere I go now, I see opportunities <laughs> and my radar is like this. And it's like, I just can't help it. I'm like, oh, there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity. There's an opportunity. So it, your radar just goes like this. So again, I was reading uh, the, I think it was one of the Sunday papers. And in the back of the papers, we had the classified ads. I'm a big fan of reading classified ads. I'm a, I'm a uh, direct response marketing guy. I love reading these headlines and this, uh, these classified ads. And I saw a one-page ad for a book called How to Use Your PC in Two Hours. And it was for the older generation market, like the silver surfer market, right? Baby boomer market. And what was interesting was at the bottom of the page, it said in a, in a, in a block, 400,000 copies sold. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. They've sold 400,000 copies of this uh, How to Use Your Computer book. And guess what? My background was in computer training, right? Computer training videos. That was my background. So I thought, okay, this is interesting. So I said, uh, I contacted them. I said, I bought this book from my uncle. He's more visual. Uh, do you have a video version of the book? They said, no. I said, well, look, I've got a video version of the book. Would you be interested in upselling that to the, your existing customers who bought the book? They said, okay, this sounds good. Have you got it? And I said, well, let me just come and see you guys and then we can have a discussion. So I got a meeting with them, very big publishing company, actually in the UK, a uh, catalog-based company. Um, and uh, I got I got to see meet the MD. He said to me, tell, this sounds good. Do you actually have the the the, the DVD, the, the video training DVD? And I said, oh, man, you know, I said, I, 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 was, I left in such a, a ratchet rush. I left it in my office. I actually didn't have it. Uh, and then he said, he looked at me thinking, is this guy for real? And then he said to me, Okay, great. Look, if you can get it to us within the next three to five days, let's have a look at it. And if it is what it is, yes, we'd be interested in doing some sort of partnership with you where we can upsell that to our customers who bought the book. So I walked away from the meeting thinking, oh, oh crap, they actually want to do a deal. I don't even have a product. So this that's an indication of when we do deals, I always say, look, the biggest thing is people say, let me create a product and then let me figure out how to market it. The biggest thing is find the market first, right? Mm -hmm. And then create the product. So that's one of the biggest tips I can give. You know, if you want to really be successful, find a market first that's hungry and willing, and then go out and create the product. Don't create a product thinking, I think I think people are going to want this. And then you spend weeks on it, and it's like, oh, crap, they don't want it. No one's buying it. 
So I went away. I went to like Office World, Staples. I went looking for this uh, computer training DVD, and I said, I found a couple how to use how to use your PC and what have you. And I contacted the companies and I said, look, hey, I've got a client and I think we can do a couple of thousand units of this product if we do a deal. Can you give me a good price? And could we do uh, a white label? Could we put it in the, our client's name? And they said, no, it is what it is. I said, okay, you guys don't realize how big of a deal this is and you're not flexible. So I walked away and then I went to, online to a, a website, um, a freelance website. Actually, nowadays it's called Upwork. It's called Upwork.com nowadays. And um, I put a project there and I said, look, I've got this book. Here's the content. Can someone create a video course from it? And if we, as marketers, we know how easy it is to do screen capture, right? And screen cam videos. We know that because we're marketers. It's very easy to do. You piece of software, you get on the computer, you record it, and you can create a course. So <clears throat> someone created a course for me. It was exactly based on the contents of the book. I went back to the company with the DVD that cost me $500, and I owned the rights to it. They loved it. The managing director said, wow, this is amazing. It looks just like the book. And I said, well... <coughs> I said, my team has been up all week, you know, working on it and creating this, but obviously I just outsourced it. So, you know, sorry. Uh, and then um, he loved it. He said, wow, this is great. I can't wait um, to uh, get this out uh, and, and promote this to the existing buyers of the book. Then I said to him, look, let's, let's look at numbers. 400,000 people, right, who have bought the book. Out of those 400,000, how many do, do, do you think will buy the DVD course? He said, well, easily 50%. I said, okay, that's 200,000. So I said, let's look at, let's look at in terms of um, uh, the cut, the percentage. I said, what do you want to sell it at? And they said, well, we want to sell it at $19.95. I said, okay, look, let's do this. You sell it at $19.95, but just give me $7.50 for each one you sell, right? You do all the promotion, the distribution, the marketing. I'll give you the DVD and a license. And you can do whatever you want, but just give me $7.50. Now, here's the thing. When you're doing a partnership deal or a joint JV with someone, always give them the majority percentage because it guarantees, number one, that they'll do the work. Yes, and yes. number two, it'll... oh, the golden nugget. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I love that. Yes. So, And that's what the problem is. A lot of people think, oh, I don't want to give away too much percentage because I don't know. Hey, somebody's doing all the marketing and promotion yeah, for you. Yeah, work. you're doing nothing. <laughs> If they're doing all the work, why don't you give them a percentage of the of the sale or the revenue or the whatever it is, revenue share? So they uh, they were charging $19.95. I was just getting $7.50. They were getting the majority of it. But hey, I was doing nothing. I was just sitting down in my dressing gown in front of the TV with popcorn and while someone else was doing all the selling. So we did the deal. They did the promotion. It went out and we sold just over 201000 732, I think it's something like that number. And my cut was $7.50 per unit sold. I made $1.5 million just from that one deal. And after that, I got back on my feet. And that's when I became known as the joint venture expert. Ooh. Boom. Boom. You are <laughs> indeed. Oh, my goodness. Wow. that You have an incredible story. Uh, and I always say that when, you know, Richard Branson, and now I can say Sahel Khan, you know, <laughs> because you've gone through it, you, you've gone from breakdown to breakthrough. Correct. If you lose it all, you've got this. Yes, it's there. Yeah. yeah. This, and the heart as well. I always feel like it's the yeah, head definitely. and the heart. But I'll, tell you what, but I'll tell you what is interesting. You know, after that, I got invited to speak at a lot of events around the world. I spoke at events where there was 5,000 people in a room. I met a lot of people who crashed during the last recession, but they never recovered. 
So I think it is a lot to do with mindset also. People will come up to me and say, you know what, I love your story. I'm really happy that you made it back. We were in a similar position. You know, people lost eight figures, nine figures, you know, and they were like, you know, we, we're still struggling to find a, a way back. So, you know, not everyone makes it. And it's like, I think you're right. I think it's, it is quite unique, you know, for entrepreneurs to go through that cycle to make millions, lose millions, then make it again. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a lot to do with mindset and grit as well, you know, uh, perseverance and belief, you know, your belief system. People ask me, what was it that helped you? And, and it's got to be, you know, whether you have a spiritual or religious belief, you have to have a strong belief system, something that you can hold on to when everything around you is, is, is crumbling. If you don't have that, then you yourself will crumble. So I hope that helps. Yeah, definitely. You know, from hearing your story, what I'm, what's shouting out at me is that you have an ability to listen to that inner voice that uh, that's not shrouded by fear. It's the guidance tapping into the universal, whether you call it God, the universe, and that guide that has guided you and it guided you to go to the monastery where you could breathe, where you could just be um, yep. and, and maybe sort of have things settled so you could have a, a lot more clarity. Um, so I see, I see that that help has helped you not just then, but even before, cause I, my, one of my questions is like, how do you see all these opportunities? You know, there, there's a, there's a way you're being that enables yeah. you to see things that other people. And I think also you, I, th- I think also you get back what you put out. So I always put out a lot of energy, um, and people know me for that because I always I, I always try to help first. So that's how I get more opportunities because people see that, how genuine I am. And then when I do other people favors, you know what it's called? It's called The Law of Reciprocity, right? Mm-hmm. And it's something, um, there's a book called Psychology of Influence by Robert Cialdini. And in that, he talks about something called The Law of Reciprocity, which means that as human beings, we are always reciprocal when someone does something for us. Um, and most people do that. If you did something for me, I would do as much as I can to reciprocate and do something for you. So yeah, law of reciprocity that one. Yeah. And, and, and even though we haven't got time, I feel like we need to have another interview where we deal with just the mindset because <laughs> I love talking all or everything around that. Um, but also I, it's not just the thoughts, it's the, it's the feelings, the energy we give out because it, yeah. that's what people receive in energy. It's the same with speaking. Definitely. People receive our energy and then we get it back you know, tenfold. So beware of the energy you're giving out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, so how I could literally carry on. We've gone way beyond my usual half an hour. I could carry That's on. That's fine. Yeah, we can, we can talk all day and <laughs> yeah. I would really, you know, I would relish that at all. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but I am. Um, unfortunately, we, we are going to close. So before we do, like you've you shared so much that I'm going to watch this back and I'm sure those listening are going to listen to this back again and again, because there's so many golden, golden nuggets. nuggets. Dropped. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for you? What are you up to next? Good question. And I'll tell you what I was up to next was, 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 was basically retiring for good, hanging up my spurs. Yep. Yep. Oh, yep. you're too young for that. And, 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 and just focusing on building uh, my foundation, but, um clubhouse clubhouse happened you know i came i came so close to walking away from social media i was like oh i've had enough of this uh you know <laughs> as you do and then clubhouse yeah clubhouse came yeah clubhouse came and i was back in i was like oh god i can't get out of this now it's like you know pure fomo you know fear of missing out i need to be there in clubhouse so 
yeah, Clubhouse happened. Basically, that's what happened. You know, I was very close to just um, uh, going back into the shadows and just putting my head down and focusing on my foundation. Um, but then, yeah, Clubhouse. And with Clubhouse, more happens. You know, you've got collaborations. I've got speaking events. I've got speaking engagements. I'm like, oh, you're trying to get me back out there. You know, this is crazy. Yeah, but no, I'm enjoying it. Yet. The world says yeah, you're not yet for your retirement. Very yeah. quickly, just share what, what is your foundation? Well, I'm, on, I'm in the process of setting it up right now. So I'm just doing a bit of research to find out the best way to do it. I have, I have holdings over in uh, the Middle East and in Asia. So we're just trying to figure out the best way to incorporate that. But yeah, I want to give back, you know, because um, I spent a lot of time, you know, building uh, uh, wealth and, uh, you know, I do give back. I, I do get involved in charitable events, but I want to do something more sort of prolific, uh, to be honest with you, and focus my time on doing that. So, yeah, I'm just talking to a few um, of my mentors. I have some great mentors who have foundations themselves. So we're just trying to figure out the best way for us to work together. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing that. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that as well. So watch <laughs> this you. space. And how can people, what's the best way for people to keep in touch with you and find sure. you, whether it's on Clubhouse Definitely. or elsewhere? <laughs> well, on Clubhouse, uh, if you just type in the Joint Venture Expert, you'll find me. To be honest with you, if you just type in the Joint Venture Expert into Google, you, you'll find me everywhere. So, you know, you can come and see me on, uh, uh, follow me on Clubhouse. It's at Sahel Khan. Uh, you can connect me on LinkedIn. Uh, Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash the JV guy. But one thing I can do for everyone listening is um, I have a book that I wrote with uh, one of my mentors, J. Conrad Levinson, the guy who invented guerrilla marketing, who passed away in 2014. And it was the last book that he wrote and co-wrote. So we wrote that together before he passed away. And I like to give everyone a free copy of that. So if you go to freejointventurebook.com, uh, it's normally $20 on Amazon, but go to freejointventurebook.com. You can download the book down. It's got loads of more stories, case studies, tools, templates, agreements, scripts, and things that you can use to do your own million-dollar joint ventures. So I hope that helps. Oh, that's very generous. See, such a giving spirit. See that giving? I'm a giver. I give and give and give and give. (laughs) Yeah, give us gain. Give us gain. That's right. Thank you so much, Sahel. Thank you for sharing your story, take, giving us your precious time because time is a precious, one of the most, well, is the most precious commodity. Um, and yeah, just giving so much value in sharing your story. You're, you are incredible, generous human being. I can feel, you know, your spirit, you. it just really shines. So uh, from one heart to the other, I, I, you know, send my blessings to you and your family. And I, yeah, just look forward to seeing what you're up to next. So thank you as well to the listener for listening to this inspiring stories series. Hopefully it has inspired you to know that your story, you have a story and your story is also worth telling because when you tell that it lands on somebody else's life and it makes a difference to them and you never know, it may even transform their lives just as I know Sahel's story has transformed many people's lives as well. So from myself and Sahel, I actually want to leave the last word with you, Sahel. What would you like to say to the listener? That's a good question. I would say to everyone that um, my philosophy in life has always been give first, ask later, but also ask yourself this question. If you knew that you could never fail, what would you do? What would you achieve? So I think, Try and really build that mindset. Another golden nugget. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I always ask myself that question. If I knew I could never fail, what would I do? Yeah, what would I achieve? 
And I think that will give you the strength and perseverance and the belief to be able to go out there and do everything. So this is the Hell Khan, the Joint Venture Expert. I hope that helps. Thank you, Steph. Great words to end. So it's Elaine Powell saying from the Mind Speak interview series. Until the next time, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Mind Speak podcast with myself, Elaine Powell, and special guest. I would love for you to share your thoughts around this podcast. Press the subscribe button, scroll down, and give it a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening on. That would be much appreciated. So until the next time, keep on amplifying your voice, message, and story. Take care.